Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning, and welcome to the Three Angels Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be going over Lesson 10, titled Satan's Final Deception, and this is for May 27th through June 2nd. And I read through this one this week, and it was a very, very interesting study. Um, I'm Elder Nick, and I'm joined by Elder Robert Noah. And this lesson just seemed to have a whole lot going on for it. And I've, I, I kind of struggled a little bit in the beginning, but I think, you know, when you guys out there start going through the study, you know, it will kind of click a little bit in some ways. And in other ways, it's going to be like, okay, what's really going on here? And I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time reading the study. Um, I have not read this lesson. I was studying the one previous. So, um, this is going to, but it's not going to be a new topic. It's just, I haven't gone over this particular lesson. (laughs) Um, my dad and I studied together for, uh, a sermon that he did that he titled, um, the snares of the fowler and, he talks that you know the only tool that Satan has at his disposal is deception. Yes. So this is a great controversy between Christ and Satan, and but it's also between truth and and deception. Yes. And before we get started, I want to go ahead and read the memory text. Um, the text for this week is from John seventeen seventeen, and it reads. uh, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And before we really get into it and really deep dive into the study, uh, Robert, would you want to go ahead and open with prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, as always, we want to give you thanks and praise for the blessings that you bestowed upon us and the invitation that you give us every Sabbath to bask in your presence. Lord, now as we open your word to study truth we ask for that knowledge wisdom and discerning that comes from the holy spirit that we may be given that ISAB, that may we we may be able to recognize truth from error in this day and age that is i believe more needed than ever because there's this uh concept that truth is relative that truth your your truth my truth it can be different but we are studying your word which is the one truth. So, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit will guide, give a blessing on uh, Nick and myself, and also those that are participating um, and listening over the podcast. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, looking at this lesson this week, it it opens up with a news story that occurred in Chicago uh, several years ago. And I just want to read it because this... This kind of lays out the foundation of kind of what to expect from this lesson this week. It says, It was one of those gorgeous September mornings in Chicago as the sun rose over Lake Michigan and commuters battled traffic jams on the Kennedy and Eisenhower Expressways. And children made their way to school. A chilling story began to emerge that struck fear into the hearts of Chicagoans. People were becoming tragically sick. And some were dying just a few hours after taking Tylenol capsules. On testing, each of the capsules proved to be laced with potassium cyanide, a deadly poison. A deranged individual had tampered with the medication, and to this day, we still don't know who did this. Wow. 
pretty chilling to open up a Sabbath school lesson with a story like that, right? <laughs> but there's an important reason why it's talked about. You know, and I love how the rest of this says. It says, as we have seen, Revelation warns us that the inhabitants of the earth will drink a deadly potion called the wine of Babylon. There are false doctrines and teachings that in the end will lead only to death. However, the world is not left without an antidote, the protection against this spiritual poison, the three angels' message. In this week's lesson, we're going to continue looking not only at Babylon's deceptions, but also at Jesus' plan to save us from them and the death that they would otherwise bring. So as we're looking at this, you know, Christ called out and said, there's going to be false Christs and false prophets that arise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And this is found in Mark 13, 22. And I, and I like that it asked that question, what is the elect? Because a lot of people will think it's one thing versus something else. Well, the my understanding of what the elect is, is it's those that follow Christ. Well, you're, you're a diligent student mm-hmm. of scripture and it's you know i i mention this a lot because i preach this subject a lot you know on recognizing truth and error because of what society is doing nowadays on you know this relevant truth that yes that your truth is not my truth oh yeah <laughs> and and especially now you know with um the whole uh gender, transgender thing, um, you know, and, and there's this huge dividing line between people that are, are recognizing, you know, truth and error and people that are willing to accept one or the other. Yes. And the, but this, we're just bombarded with deception. And, you know, I use the analogy of, you know, people that work, you know, whether bank tellers or whoever that, handles money a lot do they go to a counterfeiting class no because there are so many different counterfeits they become so familiar with the genuine that they don't even have to look at it they can touch it you know they can i don't know if you you've ever been around like an old-time banker where they used to as they were counting they every once in a while they'd snap a bill in their fingers yep have you ever seen anybody do that because the true money is actually printed on cotton, not mm-hmm. on wood paper, and it makes a different sound, and they can recognize it. Oh, yeah. So there's all these different ways that they have of recognizing a genuine bill from a counterfeit bill. Uh, it would take a lifetime to try to study all of the counterfeits, and that's what, one of the rabbit trails. You know, even as students of truth – we can get caught up in this, oh, what's this deception so I know how to combat against it? And we get so caught up in chasing yes. the the deceptions that we forget to focus on the truth. Mm-hmm. And and I like how you bring up the whole counterfeiting thing because, you know, there's so many movies out there, there's so many shows, documentaries about some of the greatest counterfeiters in the entire world. And it's the amount of detail that these guys have to look at and try to replicate and try to make it look as close to authentic as possible is, is quite amazing. The Um, most successful is that, that guy in catch me if you can. Yes. You know, 
where he was making all the the Pan American the checks paychecks and, yeah. and everything. But even the FBI wasn't aware of. I mean, they knew it was counterfeit, but they didn't know how he was doing it, and they ended up hiring him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, but I think it's a good example of what we need to look at when we're looking at things going on in this world right now. Right, you know. Jesus did say there's going to be false prophets. He said there's going to be false Christs that are going to rise up and say they are me and perform miracles and do all these amazing things. He's like, but you need to pay attention to what it says in Scripture. You need to understand what it says, what I am telling you. And we see it right now. I know in South America there is there's this uh, televangelist that's down there who claims to be the second coming of Christ, and his followers believe it. You know, because he's performed, quote, unquote, miracles in front of them. You know, then you have uh, Benny, the televangelist, that slaps people with his jacket, right. saying, I am healing you, and then slaps you with it. People think that he's a prophet of some sort, that he's got some type of ability. And it, it's sad that people rely on the word of these other individuals. They, right. they have silver tongues. It's basically that they can talk. And they can convince. And for those who don't fall back into scripture, don't fall back into the word and refer back to it, they're going to be deceived. Right. And this is what this lesson this week is really focusing on is paying attention to the details. Yeah. You know, um, Satan is not going to tempt you or try to deceive you where you're strong. He's going to try to deceive you where you're weak. Yes. You know, I mean, you know my, you know a lot about my, my personal story. That, you know, I was brought up in the church, and I left for a long time. To the, and I went the opposite way to the point where you know I got deep into some spiritualism and stuff like that. Um, after my brother was killed in a car accident when I was young, one of my aunts used to tell us that every night my brother would come sit on the foot of her bed and talk to her. And, you know, I've lost both of my siblings um, at young ages. And everybody's like, well, with all your experiences, have you ever seen, you know, an apparition of your brother or your sister or any dead family member? I was like, no, because I was not confused on the state of the dead. So to Satan, Satan is not going to, tempt me in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to come at me with uh, something that I can refute with Scripture the way Jesus, you know, fought temptation. Yes. That I can say, you know, thus saith the word, thus saith the Lord. And I. so that even though I was not following a Christian lifestyle, that was not an area that I was confused in. Even though I was in spiritualism and dealing with, you know, things that we should stay away from. I was not naive. I knew what I was dealing with. Yes. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing that you can't just say, oh, I'm pretty strong in this area and I'm pretty good because Satan's going to tempt you where you're weakest. He's going to deceive you where you're weakest. Mm-hmm. And that brings up a, uh, a good point, especially, you know, and we're going to see this in this lesson this week too is, you know, those that say they are followers, 
but they're weak in many areas. You know, they're they have a surface level understanding of of the word. And I think, you know, based on what I learned from this lesson this week is that that's where a lot of people are going to fail because they don't have the uh they're the not fem- grounded in the yeah. so right. they don't have the proper foundation. Right. You know, it's well, this is what my pastor told me. This is what my preacher told me. This is what the priest up on the pulpit said was the truth. Instead of actually opening up scripture and reading it for themselves and having that fundamental understanding and then establishing that fundamental understanding through prayer and through communion and through, you know, putting Christ at the head of your life. That That is exactly why over in over the last couple of years I've been... I keep trying to start a Bible fundamentals class and it goes for a period of time and it fizzles <laughs> up and people want to bring it just for new believers. But I want to, I want to open it up to the entire church. Yeah. You know, my dad does a fundamentals cl- class, but he does it Sabbath afternoon. So it doesn't, you know, coincide with Sabbath school. So people can yeah. actually be part of both. And um, I've thought of doing that as well. But the we have a history. Um, I, I don't, I would say, especially in the Seventh-day Adventist church, of people going through an evangelistic series, doing a basic set of Bible studies, and being baptized, and... Um, Everybody welcomes them. They greet them every Sabbath, but they leave them to their own device after that. They don't, yeah. they don't continue that education in uh, these are the fundamental beliefs and this is the Bible scriptures that back up every single one of our fundamental beliefs so people know and when people are questioned on why do you believe what you believe, I mean, Peter says you'll always have a reason for the faith that is in you. Yeah. Um, we should be able to back up why we believe what we believe. You know, we it can't just because you know some famous evangelist said so. You know, whichever uh, evangelist you prefer, there's yeah. a lot of good ones. <laughs> um, but you know, um, Jesus said, you know, you search the scriptures because. You think you in them you find eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. And there, he also said, you know, by their fruits you, you will know them. You know, somebody shouldn't have to tell, stand up and tell you that they're a follower of Christ. If yeah. they're standing up and preaching the gospel, you should be, you know, hey, and you don't have to be, you know, have a PhD in in philosophy you know, or you know scriptural studies. You just need to know what the Bible says. How yeah. you, coming to an understanding of of God's character, and because I can't, you, I mean, I can quote a lot of scripture, but I don't quote all of it, you know. Yeah. But I know if I hear something that it contradicts with a scripture that I am very familiar with, that I know there's a problem with what's being said. Yes, and. So sometimes you'll see me in a Sabbath school class or a Bible study or something, and somebody will say something, and I'll pick up my Bible, and I'll just be <laughs> flipping around. And it's because something triggered 
yeah. either truth or error in my head, and I'm going through scriptures looking up, you know, the facts. Yeah. And I'll usually read several scriptures to myself before I raise my hand to make a comment because I want to make sure that what I say is grounded in the truth. And that is one thing I definitely can say about, you know, this church especially. You know, I, I know every person that has gone up to the pulpit has said pretty much the same thing. Don't take what we are saying as the hard, cold truth, and that's it. Open up your book. Look at it. Read the passage before. Read the passage after. Get an understanding of what we're talking about. And if you have a different light that comes out of it, fantastic. But if we're saying something and has no light and there's no truth to it, you tell us. Right. Confront us about it. Not, not like confront, confront, but say, hey, you know, I, I looked at that verse. I don't see the same thing you're saying. Right. Well, you and I are both elders. And our our purpose is to defend the flock against this very thing. That yes. is the, what the elders are called to be, the watchmen on the walls. And so if we do not have a full understanding of truth or a competent understanding of truth, uh, we, and, you know, I, in, I believe it's Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, uh, if you... Uh, <laughs> Yes, for those that are wondering, we have a third guest in here, and it is a tiny gnat that just <laughs> it wants flies to be right a part. in our face. <laughs> uh, but when when Jesus says, you know, if you offend one of these little the, these little ones, it's better that a millstone be hung around your neck and you be cast to the bottom of the ocean. Or if if uh, if you if you teach false doctrine. Or if you believe false doctrine and teach other people to do so, Jesus says that you'll be counted least in the kingdom of heaven. That does not mean you're going to be there. That means the people that are there are counting you as the least. Yes. You know, uh, because you you willingly led other people astray. Mm -hmm. And none of us want to be leading people astray intentionally or unintentionally. Yes. So that's why we always say, you know, if there is something that I'm saying that you find scripturally unsound, please bring it to my attention because, you know, we don't, A, we don't want to be held accountable, but I mean, we're doing, we're, we're servants of God yes. and we and we want to be preaching and teaching the truth. Definitely. And I want to go into this next part because this leads into what we were just talking about a little bit ago about spirits and seeing the dead and all that. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go ahead. I want to read Revelation 16, 13 and 14. And Robert, if you can read Revelation 18, 2 and 23. Sure. I think this is going to help us kind of understand this next portion. So in Revelation 16, 13, it says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And I don't want to come across as abrasive, but these three unclean spirits are identified to us in the spirit of prophecy. Yes. They, they are spiritualism, Catholicism, and apostate Protestantism. 
and mm-hmm. I know that might ruffle some feathers, but sometimes the truth does. Uh, Revelation 18, verse, 20, verse 2, and then verse 23. This is, for those that are unaware, Revelation chapter 18 is the repeat of the second two messages from Revelation 14. So uh, it says, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, Babylon of the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And jumping down to verse 22, and the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpets shall be heard no more at all in thee. No craftsman of whatsoever craft he, he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more in thee. Oh, it was verse 23. And the light of a candle, there's our, our point. I don't know why I read verse 22. <laughs> um, There's always says, a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> shall sign no more in the at all in thee. What is what is the light of the candle? Truth. Yep. That is because uh, this is prophetic. So you use the signs uh, that help us understand what is what these symbols are are pointing to. So uh, we know that light is always referring to truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, candle shall sign no more shine at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be ner- heard no more at all in thee. Wow. Because we know the bridegroom is Christ and the bride is his true church. Yeah. So if the voice of the bridegroom is no longer being heard, there's a serious problem. Yep. Um, for, thy, for thy merchants were great men of the earth. For thy sorceries were all, by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And I like that point you're probably about the light, you know. And this is, and Jesus said it himself. He goes, I am the light, I am the truth, I am the way. Right. We see that there. We Anytime the, the scripture is talked about, we say, are we looking for the light in the word? You know, the first thing God did when he created the universe is let there be light. <laughs> let there right. be truth. Right. And when you look at all that and you've taken this into account, you know, like you said, that that's terrifying when the voice of the bridegroom is no longer heard. Yeah, it, it, when it's silent, uh, good things cannot come from that. Well, yeah. this is also another. Uh, it's pointing towards to Daniel chapter 12, 12, verse one, when Michael stands up, probation is closed, so the you know you are you are sealed or marked. Yep. You know, and uh, one way or the other, it that when Michael stands up, you have received one or the other. And th- those that are marked no longer hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, you look around right now, and it, you can see there's people that no longer hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, um, and we see it all over the news. We see it all over television we see it in books and magazines podcasts you know, right it's everywhere the the truth has been has been squashed and silenced in so many places and you know right here and it, it says Ellen G White said in the great controversy in page 588 
that there will be a two great deceptions in the last days. One of them will be the immortality of the soul. And I think this, it, it, I think that is probably the greatest deception that we see right now. And it goes right back to what you're saying, you know, about, about your aunt seeing your brother sitting on the edge of bed. You know, I remember as a kid uh, being told, oh yeah, you, my grandfather died. He's in heaven now. He's with Jesus. He's watching over you. He's, you know, he's your guardian angel, angel. now and all that. And it, I think it's just a huge, huge deception because there are so many people that truly believe that their loved ones visit them in their dreams. Right. That their loved ones visit them when they need them the most. And it's it's scary because I used to believe in ghosts. Right. I used to believe in spirits and stuff. And oh, I believe in spirits. <laughs> I just don't, I believe by experience that they are not my dead relatives. <laughs> they are not what they proclaim to be. Well, because I was not deceived. Yeah. Like I said, I was dabbling in things that need not to be dabbled in. And I, they, because that was not an area that I was weak, I knew who I was dealing with. Yes. So, you know, I, that almost puts me on more dangerous ground than somebody that's in deception. <laughs> and I think one of the things we got to really kind of look at and understand is the Bible tells you flat out, you know, from dust you were made and to dust you'll return. That the breath of life, and this I think where everybody gets the confusion at, is that breath of life that God breathes into your lungs, that spirit that he breathes into you, that's not your spirit. Right. That is the spirit it's, of God to that goes into you to bring in life into your lungs, into your body, to make you a living, a, a living being. Right. And as soon as you die, you don't get to keep that. That's not yours. It's it's not your consciousness, which is why so many places death is referred to as sleep. Mm -hmm. You're unconscious when you're asleep, you know. You're unaware of anything going on around you. There's or the passage of time. Mm -hmm. None of that means anything uh, to you if you're in a true deep sleep. Yep. Uh, so, but that immortality of the soul, you know. Every time, you know, I you hear that, you know, oh, you shall not surely die. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I I I heard that somewhere before. But it, it was by a snake in a tree in a garden. <laughs> yeah. And it got us into this whole mess that we're in now. <laughs> you know, it's, right. But I I think it, it's such a massive set of deception because it no longer allows you to live life through grace. Because when you, right. when you think about it, grace is something that's given. God freely gives that to you. What you do with that grace is your choice, whether you follow it and allow it to be a bright beacon in your life that leads you the right way, that helps you lead others to the light, or you ignore the grace and you pretty much suffer from whatever consequences that you choose. Now, I think in that, we look at Catholicism, especially Catholicism. They push the idea that either you're going to heaven or you're going to hell based on your actions. That you have to earn 
grace, that you have to right. earn salvation through your works. But no. And then you um, you also come to the uh, not well. Yeah, you, that you have to earn it, but it really it really goes deeper than just you know people's inherent fear of ceasing to exist. Yeah, it el- it what it wants to do is elevate you to your own God, which some religions cheat, do teach. Mm-hmm. Mormonism, for one. You know, they teach that you become the God of your own planet. You know, um, and that comes directly from another deception that Satan said in the garden, that you will be as God. And then he says, no, knowing good and evil. Well, evil existed. God just wanted us not to be aware of it. Not that he wanted to keep us naive, but he didn't want us, I would say, not to be aware of it, but to experience it. He did not want us to experience evil, which is why, you know, he put that test there. And I think at the same time, too, you know, when you think about it, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't want us to understand evil. He didn't want us to go through the pain. That's why. That's why suffering. I changed it to ex- the ex- experience, because yeah. <laughs> that not to know about it was that almost goes along with what saying saying that God is trying to keep your blinders on you that you don't you're not aware. That was not what I meant at all. It was that God yeah. did not want us to experience evil, uh, and we have the list of verses right there in the middle of uh, Monday's lesson uh, from Ecclesiastes nine five which is, for the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Yeah. Um, and in Job, First Second Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, talks about um, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and with the, you know, Revelation 4. So th- these are our verses that help give us hope, because if you, if you have the hope that you receive by the grace that you were speaking of, um, falling asleep, knowing you have a relationship with God, is nothing to fear, mm-hmm. you know, because you have that f- that faith and that knowledge, that peace, that God is going to. You're friends with God when if you're allowed to sleep, that He's going to come wake you up and say, "Hey, let's go home." Yeah. And what's something I want to really kind of emphasize on this is. The reason I really do believe that this is going to be one of the greatest deceptions that we're going to see in our lifetime, I think, I, I truly feel we'll see this happen, is, you know, everybody misses somebody they lost. It, it It's a pain. Yeah. You know, losing somebody very, very close to you and then having to move on. And the idea that, oh, I might be able to see them when I die immediately you know, so some people, they see that as a comfort. Now, if it comes to this idea of a spirit of your dead relative coming and talking to you and trying to comfort you and say, oh, everything's all right, I'm in a better place and all this, you know, so some people, they would truly take that as, oh, wow, I'm really having a conversation with my loved one. They know everything about me. You know, I know they 
they seem genuinely like they're my relative. But what we understand is when you look at the word and you look at all that, there's no way it can be your right. relative. And we already know that Satan is the master of deception. We know that is the the followers of Satan, his demons, his fallen angels, are doing everything they can to get you to be led astray. And if they can do it through your family, they're going to do it because yeah. that's going to be one of your weakest points is that loss of someone. Right. Well, if you, what I think people that are caught up in that fail to see the other side of that coin uh, because it's so much about what I want <laughs> that, you know, would it really be heaven if I was a conscious spirit, whatever you want to want to call it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can come and tell my loved ones, oh, I'm having a great time. I'm sorry you're going through what you're going yeah. through. <laughs> you know, <laughs> is, is that really heaven when you're, you know, okay, you're supposed to be in heaven, but you're watching everybody you love yeah. still suffer. I I find it actually comforting that I don't have to worry about that, you know, that I, I'm not going to experience that. And, you know, as far as I don't know where the idea came that, from that uh, when you die, you become angels because the Bible is perfectly clear that humans and angels are not the same thing. Exactly. And that there's, there's even different types of angels. You know, you have cherubim, seraphim, uh, Nephilim, or not Nephilim, Nephilim was a word that was actually brought up. Uh, and for those where it says giants, it is not the angels and, and human crossbreed because yeah. Jesus was very adamant that angels do not cro procreate. Um, so, but we there's different types of angels, and angels are a completely different being than humanity, mm -hmm. so I don't know where there where that idea came up that oh they become your guardian angels, but um, I can see how it entices people that do not know. But once you once you read and you've been made aware, that's why uh, after the verses in First Thessalonians, they're listed in First Thessalonians chapter four. Paul ends that with. Wherefore, comfort one one another with these words, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, once you once you you've been given the eye salve and you know washed off the those blinding scales from your eyes, and you can see this truth that you see that there is peace and comfort yes. in the truth that is being taught. So. So we understand now that that is the first deception is this idea that, you know, you have an immortal soul that you are, you're going to live beyond after you die, you know, right. Immediately kind of thing Like you're going to go straight to heaven or hell, you know? So that's the first deception that we really need to keep an eye on. That also gets away from investigative judgment. Exactly. Because if you automatically die and you go straight to heaven or hell, then there's no point of, what happens in Revelation, the prophecies, the the redemption that Christ did when he died on the cross didn't mean anything because you're gonna be judged when you get to heaven. Okay, you're you're evil, you're going to hell. You know, That's why you see the, the little cartoons with, you know, Peter sitting at the 
the gates of heaven and a long line of people, you know, and he's he's like Santa Claus checking a list, you know. Uh, um, But I don't know. I just, I, to me, it, once you're aware, and and I don't, once again, I don't want to sound derogatory or anything to people that are still, because I know we may even have listeners that struggle with some of these deceptions and I don't, but it almost seems absurd once you're aware of of the truth. Yes. You know, um, we have no, uh, we're told that only God is eternal. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing that gives us eternal life is a connection with the source. Yes. If we have that relationship, if we have that that connection, and once again, you know, there will be those that are alive at the second coming. There will be those that are allowed to sleep and are uh, awakened. And Paul t- tells us once again there in First uh, yep. th- Thessalonians that the dead have no uh, advantage over the living. They're not. They're not there first. Yes. Uh, that. We will meet in the heaven in in the sky and meet our Lord in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just uh, it it the more you learn the truth, the more apparent I would say that the the deceptions are. I use yeah. the analogy of walking into a dimly lit room. In a dimly lit room, you might be able to d- distinguish, you know, different pieces of furniture. And even with the small amount of light, you'll be able to see very vague shadows. Mm-hmm. But what happens as you turn the light brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter? The line between the light and the shadow becomes more and more apparent. Yes. And when the light is fully on, you have light and you have darkness. There is no more gray area. There is no blending between the light and the shadow yep. that you see in a dimly lit room. So that's why we're encouraged to be students of light, students of truth, that as we come into a greater and greater understanding, that that dividing line is crystal clear. We have no question on what is mm-hmm. truth and what is error. And with that, I want to get into the second deception while we have a little bit of time left. <laughs> Because that first deception, we can go hours talking about. Well, it that last question on that on Monday's lesson, you know, what are s- signs of spiritualism? You know, or I don't know. I didn't. I read it, but I don't remember exactly how it was phrased. You know, that that are apparent in society today. Yes. I'm like, wow. I mean, you could do, I could do a, probably a three part series or more on that. Because okay. <laughs> there's so much to it, but. I think, so we already understand the first deception, which is the belief that the soul is immortal. Right. The second deception, and this one is, it's hard to get people to wrap their head around this second one. Surprisingly, it's harder to get them to wrap their head around this <laughs> than the first one. Right. But the second deception is the worship of the sun. Many gener- or many different uh, countries, not countries, but... Religions, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, worship the sun at some point. They thought that, okay, that is the brightest object in the sky. It 
literally gives life to plants and all of this, and it has to be a god itself. So many cultures, like the Egyptians, Assyrians, Persians, Babylonians, worshipped the sun. Not God, but the sun. Right. And the reason why this is the second big deception that we see is because 95% of all those who follow Christ are currently in this problem right now. Right. The, it's, and what's uh, amazing is, you know, uh, if you study where that started, where that, that comes from, and how it got uh, brought into Christianity. Yes. Um, you know, you can read in the catechisms where they talk separately about Sabbath and the venerable day of the sun. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how the church, as a sign of their authority, transferred solemnity from the Sabbath to Sunday. They mm-hmm. never call Sunday Sabbath. No. And... They, and they say that it is a sign of our authority. Well, ask Satan how it works when you try to assert God's authority. Yes. You know, it, that is not something that God shares. Um, now, they also say that Protestantism is acknowledging the authority of the church by worshiping on the day that they set aside. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is I've discussed this with um, Catholic priests and Catholic bishops and they, they're, they know there, there is no question, you know? Uh, But when you try to talk to a Protestant who is supposed to be protesting against, (laughs) they're the ones that are the most vehement, on defending the worship of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so it's the the ones that started it are not in confusion. It's it's the ones that were, you know, left those little breadcrumbs to, you know, because I'm not the sister, I'm the mother. Yep. You know, and the daughters will come back. And uh, it's unfortunate because, I mean, I know a lot of uh, sincere uh Christian people that are ver- that like you've mentioned are are deeply caught up in this deception. Yes, and I, I want to read Ezekiel eight sixteen because it when you look at scripture and you look at how things play out and how certain elements are called out, especially in the Old Testament and Revelation, how there's so many ties to what we're seeing right now. It's it's insane, but right here in uh, eight sixteen and the the chapter of 8.16 is called The Abominations in the Temple, right. which should automatically tell you exactly what is going on. And it says, So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were worshiping the sun toward the east. So instead of putting their focus and their eyes on God, on God's law, God's presence, they were more distracted with what was going on to the side of them. Because the sun was rising, 
that had to mean that that was something to worship and to appreciate. Uh, here's a just some for thought. I I, don't, I know you kind of like you know brain teasers things that yes. make you. Um, for people that do not attend church regularly, what are the most common two days for people to go to church? I would say Sunday. Well, not day of the year, not oh. day of the week. Oh, uh, Easter and Christmas, I think. What is Christmas? It's supposed to be the birth of Christ. But it's the winter solstice, solstice. which is sun worship. Yep. What do you have on Easter Sunday? Easter sunrise, sunrise. mass. Yep. Where are they facing? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> uh, just throwing it out there. You know, if, you know, even here, you know, I know um, that Calvary does the Eastern sun, Easter sunrise service mm-hmm. at the UNM stadium. And where do they have all the people sitting? On the west side of the stadium, facing the rising sun. Wow. <laughs> so it tells you right there that deception is pretty strong on this one. But what's interesting, too, is, as you said, it, it's called out. You know, we look at Revelation 17, and Revelation 17 talks about, you know, that this false doctrine, this false belief is going to enter into the church, into God's church, and people are going to be deceived by it greatly. Right. Now, some of the history and why it was really adopted, and it, it comes from Constantine. Um, so the church at the time was struggling to get Romans to believe in in Christ, in God. So in order for them to kind of find this mutual ground, you know. They started taking the pagan ideologies and trying to put a Christian connotation a, a spin on it, right? So, I if you look at the statues of the statue of Peter, it is the exact same statue of, of Jupiter. Yes, you know. So I and, and whether you go through, you know, you can go through all of them. You know, Saturn, Mars. You know, you're gonna find one of the saints or apostles mm-hmm. statues that is the identical statue. Um, well, you look at Greek and Roman. It's the same thing. It, the yeah, it's just different names. Yeah, it's the same, whether, same person. Whether same. it's you know it's Apollo or you know, mm-hmm. so it, you know yeah, it all comes from from the same per place, and you know, you hear the the term that you know uh, or the phrase Constantine was the first Christian emperor. No, Constantine was a pagan until the day he died. What he was the one that legalized. Christianity, so was no longer persecuted, but he all he was very instrumental in taking a lot of these to make the pagans more accepting of the Christianity, and now making it almost the state religion. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want somebody to change on the t- you know like a light switch. You just have to take what they're still doing and not change it, but just say, oh, now instead of, you know, doing this for this pagan god, you're doing this for this yeah. s- saint, you know, or the... So it's really a 
know, I mean, I, I don't even know where the, the idea of, of praying to saints came from either. I mean, that's... Yeah, I, <laughs> it's one of the parts that kind of confused me for a long time. Like, you know, I'm going to pray to St. James for travel mercies and a blessing to travel. And then, you know, you have St. Patrick with the snakes and... St. George and St. Christopher and St. It's it's basically doing the same thing. You're not putting the focus on God. You're putting the focus on man. Well, and they do the same thing with Mary. You know, Jesus came to show that God was approachable Mm -hmm. and that Jesus was our mediator because sin is what separates us from God. So Jesus became sin for us who, who knew no sin that we would be able to still have open communication with God. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they put make God vengeful and angry, and Jesus is siding with the Father, and now Mary has to be the mediator between people and Jesus. Yeah. Which uh, re- you really completely negate everything that Jesus came to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, and I have, I have dear friends that are, that are Catholic and I have, and I know that they're sincere and I know, I firmly believe that there's going to be a lot of sincere Catholics in heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's not, but God is asking them to wake up and open yes. and see the deception that they're in, that they may be, that they can see the light and start the process of coming out of that light into truth or out of that darkness into, into truth. Yes. And as we're continuing with the lesson this week, it's, it's pointing to that, to the truth. It's pointing to understanding what the truth is. You know, the second angel's message, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. You know, we identify that the woman identified as spiritual Babylon dressed in purple and scarlet rides upon a scarlet colored beast, passes around her wine cup and gets the world drunk with air. There's now, a here's another question. What's the only religion in the world that uses purple, scarlet, and a cup? Catholicism. Quite blatantly, too. <laughs> which, is, which is really crazy. Yeah, but what we see here is we see church and state are uniting in this at this time. Yeah, and this is the idea of what we just talked about a minute ago about Sunday. This is now looking at Sunday at at, at the potential of a Sunday law. Right. Um and when we're looking at this, and this lesson here uh, from this day, it's it just the statement from Dr. Edward T. Hiscox, um, who's the author of the Standard Manual for Baptist Churches, said something in front of a bunch of Baptist uh, preachers and ministers. And what he said is really quite shocking. And it, it shocked them at the time, too. And it says, what a pity that it, Sunday, comes branded with the mark of paganism and christened with the name of the sun god, then adopted and sanctioned by the papal apostasy and bequeathed as a sacred legacy to Protestantism. And he said this before a New York's minister conference in November of 19, or 1893. You know, so over 100 years ago, uh, 130, actually 130, 130 years ago, yeah called out exactly what was going on that, you know, we are following something that's false. Right. 
blatantly and openly following something that's false when we claim to be protesting the Catholic Church and its misguidance of the people. In but vain shall they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Yes. <laughs> and it, uh, what it says here is the truth of God's word, not human opinion or tradition, is the North Star to guide us in the critical hour of, Earth, of Earth's history. We need to be opening our Bibles and reading because when we look at all this and we see these things that are coming up and we see that people are faithfully accepting pagan paganism, pagan practices and stuff over God, it's leading them astray. And the idea, and you hear it in, in music, I'm going to Sunday church. I'm going to church on Sunday. I'm enjoying you know, my Sunday after being at church. You have movies that, you know, that specifically call out, you know, Sunday being the day you go to church and you worship God and all this. Well, you have, you know, I mean, you have movies about all kinds of Left Behind series. Oh, yes. If you go to a library and you want to find the Left Behind series, where do you look? Oh, uh, in the fiction. fiction section. Yeah, it is fiction. But people are teaching this as doctrine, you know, this this futurism and it's nowhere in scripture, you know, uh, so, you know, there's just, it's, it's everywhere. And this is something that, you know, and we repeated it so many times and it's something that we really need to, for anybody who's listening, you really need to focus on this key aspect, open up scripture, yeah. open it and read it. And if you have questions, reach out to, to your pastor, reach out to one of your elders, you know, get involved in a Bible study talk because, you know, I, I can read the Bible back to front and probably not understand a single thing out of it, but I could say I read the Bible, right? It's not until it's you or two or more together that with the introduction of the Holy spirit, does the truth come to light? Well, if you have, Reading scripture is going to bring up questions. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I, I love doing small bu- small group Bible studies. And, you know, that's a time to bring these questions forward saying, you know, and I've even had it come up when I was doing my fun- Bible fundamentals class. Somebody came in and I, I had my lesson all planned out. And somebody at the very beginning says, I have this question. And I'm like, well, let's put the lesson aside. We can come to that another time. Let's focus on that question, and let's see what the Bible says about it. Yes. You know, er- everything that I say, I want to have a thus saith the Lord behind it. Um, so we open up Scripture, and we've done impromptu studies, you know, and it, it's it's edifying for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um and people get their questions answered, and then it's up to you whether you choose to accept or reject the yes. truth that has been given. And it's it's important for everyone out there to really establish your foundation because when these deceptions start becoming more and more devious and they become more and more out in the open, you need to be able to identify and call it out. And if you're... Honestly, if you're falling into the trap that many Christians are currently falling into, you're not going to have the ability to get out of it. 
And you need to have that fundamental understanding of Scripture. You know, there's this belief that when Christ died on the cross, he got rid of the old law. There, that is a heavy belief in a lot of faiths. Right. And then people call it, it's like, well, he only said six, you know, six actual uh, commandments, so the other four don't matter. It's like, no, no, no. When he called that person out, he was only calling out because those were the six commandments that the young person he was talking to, the young rich person, needed to focus on in his life to get straight. He was probably doing the other four, but the other six he was breaking. Well, was, well what really what Jesus was doing was showing the tie between the first four and the last six, mm-hmm. that you are not honoring God if you are not also loving and honoring your fellow mm-hmm. man. And, um, and that's why he simplified it to those two things. Love with God with all your heart, soul, and mind. There's the first four commandments. And your neighbor is yourself. Yep. There's the last six. Uh, and, you know, I can go to, you know, and people that want to argue, you know, oh, the commandments were done away with. Okay, so if I break into your house and steal your stuff <laughs> and, you know, take your car and your wife, do you have... You can't be mad at me because nope. those laws are done away with. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, so it's, but really the only one that they want to argue is the fourth commandment. Yep. And we're, we are running short on time. So like I said, we can definitely go into a lot more. And, but with that, I want to go ahead and uh, close up this lesson um, with a quick prayer. Uh, if you, out there, if you can please bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to learn more about your truth and how to identify the two great deceptions that we are seeing in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you take the blinders off those that are listening and those that need you the most and allow them to see the deceptions for what they are and that they can find your truth through your word and through the many lessons you have provided us through scripture. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity and we ask for your many blessings and forgiveness of our sins all through your son's precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.